Ladies and gents, welcome to episode 90 of Off the Post. Thank you for listening. As always, I'm John Mattis, your host. And today on the other side of this intro is David Ling, a longtime pro hockey player. He's played in the NHL, AHL, IHL, ECHL, the Russian Super League, the KHL, uh, Switzerland League, uh, the NLA there, um, Italy, uh, Finland. Uh, you go up and down the list. I'm missing a few right now. But he's been around a long time and has bounced around really the world of pro hockey and has a bunch of interesting stories. Uh, he's, he knows a lot of people, uh, whether it is uh, playing with them, playing against them, or has some stories about them. So I picked his brain for about an hour and a half, and uh, this was on Friday afternoon, keep in mind, uh, just for, for reference when we're talking about, say, Tom Wilson and, and the hit in the Washington-Pittsburgh series. Um, but uh, again, a uh, very interesting guy, and I uh, wanted to have him on to uh, to, to see what, what was going on inside his brain in terms of... Uh, Hockey in the future, hockey in the past, hockey in the present. Um, so anyways, without further ado, David Ling. From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post podcast. Here with David Ling, a veteran pro hockey player to say the least. Uh, we were sitting actually in his, uh, in his Oakville apartment uh gonna have a nice uh, sit down about about his life about his uh his journey through hockey dave how's it going man oh pretty good yeah um so <laughs> i don't know where to start with this i just want to i want to talk to you about you know where you've been what what, what you've done and and what you want to do you're a 43 year old uh, pro hockey player that alone is very rare um i'm just gonna go at you at your heart here off the top are you are you a retired hockey player now, or are you coming back next year? That's a that's a great question. But I, for the last five years, I've been the, the retired hockey player. And, uh, Colin Chalk at the with the Beast ends up calling me, and I never can say no. So I my buddies joke around, just don't say it. Don't say you're retired. So I'm always open. Are you are you training to, to play next year? I, I you know I always I always keep in shape. So I don't I don't necessarily skate, but I'm always in shape where I'm usually only two weeks away from jumping on the ice wow i mean i wish i could say the same i don't think i'm in that kind of that kind of shape um so you mentioned the brampton beast that's the last team you played for of the echl um going through your your elite prospects page um since 1990 pages pages yeah i mean if, if you want to print it out it becomes pages um if you go back to 1995 the first year you went pro you played in 10 leagues and uh, I was going to write down how many teams, but I, I think I, I ran out of, of paper here. Um, you know, you've played in Italy, you've played in, in Finland, England, uh, AHL, ECHL, NHL, um, IHL, which isn't even around anymore. Um, you go up and down the list, and you're, you're a hockey lifer through and through, and, and, and you've managed to be a hockey lifer in, in just the player sense so far. Um, is it is it is it crazy to look back at, at say 1995 and go um, I was just a little kid there now th- then and, and now I'm you know all grown up and, and still sort of keeping a foot in the door yeah you know it's it, you, when you reflect back it's it, sometimes it seems like it was yesterday when I first broke into pro and coming out of Kingston but other times it's like holy the first year we didn't even have cell phones that's how long ago it wasn't you know I I remember going into Providence camp or Providence after I got uh, fired in the KHL one year I came into Providence and I was shaking hands in November coming through and 
one of the one of the kids, Lane McDermott, says, "Yeah, you room with my dad in Quebec." So I was like, "Holy, that you know, put it in perspective." Yeah, no kidding. And let's not brush over things here. When you bring up an interesting nugget, we're gonna go down that rabbit hole. What's that about getting fired by a Russian team? Yeah, well, in in the, in the KHL, anytime a coach gets fired, they because of uh, how uh, yeah crooked how crooked the whole place is. That when the coach comes in, he brings his own players because there's. Uh, he can pad his pocket with his players and, and, and whatnot and the agents and stuff. So he, usually three or four players go when a new coach comes in. There's no guaranteed contracts is what you're saying. Oh, they're guaranteed now. So they are guaranteed, but they fire you and they end up paid. Like I got all, I got all my money and uh, Alexander McGillney was actually running the, the team that I was on. And I was uh, he, I was captain for the first two months and then the coach got fired and they, they canned me. Yeah, well, let's... We're just going to go all around your, your different uh, various experiences. Let's focus on Russia right now. So at what point in your career do you think that going to Russia is a good idea? And I know that you didn't go uh, there for the KHL. It was before the KHL. But then you ended, ended up going back for the KHL. So what, what was different about those two experiences? Has the KHLs put a more professional spin on things? Yeah, my first year I went over, I, you know, the, the, the lockout in 04 you know that was I played the lockout year in in St. John's with Toronto's team, and then after that, you know, I was kind of pushed out. You know, a lot of players were pushed out of the the North America at that time, so it was a time that I had to go, and and I had a good year, and, and uh, Russia was calling, and there was you know some there's good money over there, and I you know I heard stories about about the league, and it was the Super League at that time, and uh, they were paying. Uh, they were paying cash. I went over in then to, to Moscow. One team I went to Dynamo, and and they wanted to give me a tryout basically and put me on the ice without paying me. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that because I heard stories. And then as I was, I talked to Tyler Moss who was playing down the road in Moscow Spartak, and he's like, we'll take you. And I was leaving, and they were come running out with a bag of cash to keep me keep me with Dynamo, but I was already already gone down the road. That doesn't sound professional, like. You know, there's a couple of leagues out there in, in the hockey world where they, they are professional more by just name, not necessarily by how they act. Would that be a good example where you go, you think, okay, you know, the money's looking nice, uh, you know, I'm still playing hockey, um, who knows what will happen if I play well here, maybe I end up back in North America, NHL, whatever. Do you go there and, and you land and, and you encounter problems like, you know, money or or just lifestyle and you go, what, what have I gotten myself into? Because it's sort of sold as a professional league, but in terms of treating people professionally, it's just not there. It's, you know, the, the second stint I took over there, which when it became the KHL, there is a lot more, uh, guidelines and rules that they do somewhat follow. Uh, but the first, the, the first stint I was over there, it was like, it was kind of scary because the whole, the whole country is not, uh, you know, not real safe. Like even going to the grocery store is stressful, but the, I always, until until February we got out, we got paid, and after February we didn't get paid, and it was that was a that was a story in itself. And they paid the Super League when they paid, they paid us. It was uh, the first year in Spartak. They we'd come up into the attic of the rink, and there'd be we'd be lined out as a team, and we, you know we're we're all making good money, and you know you're making NHL money or or just you know minimum NHL money at that time, and. Uh, we're waiting in the line up in the attic of the rink, which is an old rink, and there's a 
little little closet that we go into, and there's an old lady with a bag of cash and a counter, and then the big guy with a gun. You're not even it. you're not screwing with me right now. This is actually something that happened. No, this is true. And the guy, the big guy there behind behind him has a, has a gun, and you come in, you say your name, and she picks the hundred dollar bills, U.S. dollar bills, out of the mail bag and throws it in the counter and checks your name off and gives you the money, and off you go. Like, what type of money are we talking about? Like, do you have a... F- how much were you getting? Because you would... I'm assuming you're getting paychecks every two weeks or something, or... We were getting paid uh, once a month, and uh, it was for eight or nine months. And, you know, at that time, I you know, it was... I know me and Tyler Moss, we went to the to the bank one time with... And we had $80,000 in cash in our hands, and we were terrified. Especially, yeah. especially in a country where it's not uncommon for someone to be armed or for there to be i don't know like Ru- russia is kind of a mystery right you don't really know i'm sure there's very nice people there but yeah well th- th- this one time the the uh it was an inside job and they must have known that i got paid and they I, they thought i was going to take it to my apartment and when i went downtown gave my money to the the gm and he put it in a safe at the rink but when i came back my apartment was ransacked and and you know just it was on payday and it was it was an inside job for sure. Does that not want you to just go screw this whole hockey thing in Russia? I want to get out of this situation ASAP. Or did you did you tough it out? What happened with that situation? Well, you know, it it, it was one of those things where you know you the hockey was good and uh, I was you know I was doing well and but the the money is you know you could do the same thing in Italy and have the same problem or you could have the so it's like weighing the options like. Can I do this again? And you, every year you're like, I'm not. I can't go back. And then you you get offered another contract. And you're like, oh, I'll go do it again for another year. That's yeah. That's I guess I guess it, there comes a point where you have to think about you know your safety, money, your love of the game, um, family. What like there's a bunch of considerations. But I'm, I'm assuming the younger that you were, the more willing you were to go. Yeah, let's do this. Whatever whatever the case may be. Yeah, and you know what? I, the first year I went over, I said, you know, I'll go for two months and if I go for two months I have it you know I made you know pretty good money and I'll jump onto another team so it was and then you just kind of muck it out and, and and hopefully you can get through the year but it's you know it was it's really good hockey like the skill of the hockey is really good and everything else is you know iffy let me run down some leagues that you played in over the course of the last I guess it would be over two decades now um AHL NHL IHL KHL the Russia Super League, uh, NLA, which is a Swiss top pro league, uh, Liga, which is Finland's top league, um, Italy, the EIHL, which is an English league, and the ECHL. What's this? What's your secret to longevity? How how, how have you convinced teams to take you on all, through all these leagues? And I and I say that with my tongue in my in my cheek, but um, like, it, are you a good guy in the room? Like, what what makes you you so attractive to all these teams? Well, you know, I. I- I, I want to think I'm a good guy, no, but I think you know I, I in the minors I'm a I'm a power play guy and I I'm a guy that gets points and and you know every every team needs that and the last you know the last ten years you know it's been a, a role where I've been more of a older guy that's helping younger guys and 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 what telling you know giving them trying to put them in the right direction because. My direction's not always the the right way. Do, do you like that though? Like, do you feel like it's sort of part of your journey to to hand off all this knowledge now? Because that that sounds like something you don't have to do. You don't have to be the mentor. I don't. You know what? I I I, I act the same way that when I was twenty than I did when I'm I'm forty. I love the reason I play. I love I love the game. I love the rink. I love 
the dressing room. I love the guys. I like the joking around. I like the the banter back and forth. I like, you know, I just like the atmosphere. I don't like, you know, the real world's a, a different place. And I love I love the rink. I love playing. It's always been my when it's when things are going good. It's it's a place where you feel good, and it's a place when you know you have problems in your life that it's a safe haven for me that that you go to and you kind of can play hockey and put things out of out of your mind. So, but what's your secret to the longevity in terms? Like, have you just always been a, a gym rat? Have you always? Um, I've always my I you know I'm old school. I my I have always you know I've listened to guys when I was twenty twenty one and they were always doing cardio and you know cardio is kind of out of the out of the game as, as 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 it's evolved and there's more anaerobic and, and and whatnot. But I've always been a guy where if I do cardio and keep my weight down, I'm always going to be and feel like I'm in good shape. And that's one thing I've I've never. I think I've never gotten out of shape to try to get back into shape, so it's it made it a lot easier. And I haven't had any many injuries, so that that's that's an, that's another good. Thing. Yeah, that's two things, right? There's the guy that that has that bad summer, whether it's in the gym or a bad injury, and then all of a sudden their career is either derailed or it's you know it's not where they want it to be, and then all of a sudden a year or two later they're just out of hockey. Yeah, you you've never get, had that. No, and I never had the injury where in the summer where you come back and you're having to fight for a job because you had an injury. I've I've always been healthy. And like you said, I've never had that where I put on twenty pounds and I went, "Oh my God, I got to get this off." And by the time you get it off, you're you're not wanted anymore. So it's like there's a when you get older, there's sometimes it's an injury, sometimes it's uh, you know one bad start and your you know your career's over because it just starts to go downhill. And no one wants you anymore. Do you find it hard to get motivated these days? You know where you've accomplished so much, you've gone through so much with your hockey career that you could easily just you know go, "Eh, I don't feel like going to the gym or I don't feel like going for a run or whatever you might be doing." Oh, definitely, and you know it, it. It it has happened where you know you put on a little little pounds, but I've always been the guy that likes going to the gym, and it gives me uh, it gives me some peace too, and in, in in you know in the day to day activity. So I've always and I like being in shape. I don't like I don't like being out of shape. So it's I think that's helped, and I just you know I when they do call and you know like I think I'm done. I thought I was done the last two years, and you know they. I kept playing, practicing, and, and playing the senior league, and probably in the back of my mind, hoping that they would call, but not having it, it right, right out in front. But and when they do call, I can't say no. I love, I love to play, and I, I want to go. Well, that's what the last couple of years have been, right? Where you're sort of semi-retired, and then you get a call, and you're like, "I'm back." Yeah, <laughs> is and that it, pretty much what what it's been? Yeah, the joke and the jokes around, uh, you know, at the end of the year, the joke was, "Oh, we'll see you in January," because that's the last three or four years that's when I've come back is in January so it's you know and that's even harder because you know you two of the years I, I played senior but I was only playing four or five games so that you as you get older the more time you take off it's harder to get back but for, I don't know I, I I don't feel 43 like in in when I'm when I get on the ice or when I'm at the ring so what's what's the last full season where you sort of felt like you were really part of the team and really um, contributing and there every day. Well, you know, we we went to the playoffs last year in Brampton, and you know, I I played a, a role where I was uh, the tenth tenth forward and played the power play. So, it, and it was, and it was a thing where we we had a team that we you know we were a series or two away from you know having a good chance of winning it. So that was anytime you're in the playoffs, that's a, that's where you feel part of it. But you know, the, the I took my uh, it was probably four or five years ago. I, we I was in England, which is a league that started out to be a bum league that was about 15 a lot 20, of fights yeah, a lot of fights yeah. now it's as you, i don't know if you follow but they 
Britain just got into the Division One in the World Championships. They won, so now next year they're in the Division One with all the good countries. Yeah, so. weren't, weren't they? They were in Division Three, and then they won to Division Two, and then now they're Division One, and then now they're they're actually in the the main group, which I believe is just called the World Championships. Like they've just moved up over the last five years. And yeah, and, and that's a direct correlation to the their, to the, the the game over there. It's getting better. There's the, the British players are uh, evolving into becoming better players and. And and it's showing because they're into the division one where they were before in division three and I think the, the the league over there is making a conscious effort to keep the British players in the league where there's not as many um, imports there's still eleven or twelve on each team but there's a lot more rules where you have to have the British guys and they're they're evolving into a, a country so I was five years over there I took my they they I took my MBA over there and we ended but we ended up having a really good team and won everything. So that was that was a year and I never really won anything championships. So that was uh that was you know, that was a really fun year because we, we ended up winning we they call it the triple crown, which is the main the main trophy in England is their uh regular season because it's just like soccer over there, like the, the regular season is their big thing, which is kinda of backwards because you you know, you you can't peak. You but you talk to someone your... who's into soccer and they go, hockey in North America is backwards. It should be the right. Re- I think regular season should just be good for you. It. Sh- I don't think there should be. I mean, President's Trophy, I guess, is nice. But yeah. yeah and But but it shouldn't be the be, the be all end all. It should be. That's a stepping stone to the championship. Yeah. And I, th- I it's hard. How can you, you have nowhere to peak like you in, in, the, in North America, you're peaking. You want to peak in February, March, and then go into the playoffs playing at your highest level. You can't play a hundred. You can't play perfect every game for eighty-two games, or you're going to. I don't want to bring up Washington, but that you know they win the Presidents Cup and then they bow out. So whether it's what their makeup of their team or whatnot, but. So, but you're saying with the Triple Crown, it's it's the league uh, yeah, like regular the, season. The playoffs is actually a weekend tournament. It's a quarterfinal, semifinal, final, and it's like so, and that's you know it's it's an honor to win that, but it's because you're placed by the way you finish in the regular season. But the big trophy is the, the regular season, 50, 60 games, and who's in first, you know, they get the trophy. So regular season playoffs, and then what would be the third? Oh, there's another one called, uh, it's called the Continental Cup. And it's uh, it's games between, I don't know how it's how it's run either, and it's a home-and-home home against... Like, is it other leagues? It's inner no, it's in, No, it's an inner, inner, inner league that's okay. just, a, just a different... Some games, like, some games you're playing, it's not... It's weird because you you play a game and it it's both, so you're getting points in the Connell Cup and the regular season. In some games, it's just one of the two. So you, you sometimes you're not even playing a league game when you're playing. So it's kind of it's it's weird, but it's it's really it's getting better and the hockey's good. Yeah, if people are into it there, then that's all that matters, right? Locally, um, you you're you're, you're five nine, correct? Yeah, I, yeah. No, five nine, five ten. No, 5'9". Five 5'9"? Nine. Five nine? <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm five eight, sure five nine. No, all five my nine. research says 5'9", no, unless five you nine. grew as a 43-year-old. Um, that- but in junior, in junior, I got caught. Uh, Central scouting comes around, and I got caught with tape underneath. Yes. Uh, I don't think you're the first one to do no, that. No, I think that... Well, I, I learned it from someone else. I can't remember who. But what uh, were you? Tr- so you would have been trying for 5'10 there? Yeah, anything. Five, anything. <laughs> did you did you get ranked by Central Scouting? Did they do them back then? Yeah, they did. I don't know if I was ranked. I ended up getting drafted in the seventh round, but I don't know if I was ranked. I wasn't, you know, real high because it was a big man's game back then. You get drafted by the Nordiques. What was that experience like? Like you said, in the seventh round, not exactly a top prospect, but back then I believe, were there nine rounds or 12? Yeah, 12. 12. And 
you know, I, I was, you know, my first two years junior in Kingston, I was, you know, I, I put up points, but I was a, my second year I led the league in PIMS and I was, you know, I, I was a fighter. I, you know, I got beat up more than I, than I won, than I won, but I was, you know, I was learning and, and, and you, the way I look at it, you got to learn how to lose before you win. So, you know, you, the, there was a process where I, it, when I was fighting, it was, I got beat up and then I learned how not to get beat up. And then I learned how to throw some offense. So and then, and then I, then I became not, not bad at it, but my second, then my third year, I, Gary Agnew came in and said, you're, you're not fighting. You're going to, you're going to play. So then that was a year I, that I won the CHL player of the year. Yeah. But, 135 points. Yeah. So that was, did, did, was that, were you literally just skating circles around players? Well, you know, it, when you look back, I, you know, I had a big shot, you know, I, and you're, juniors when you're 19 and you're playing against sometimes 16 year olds it's it's a big gap so you you know you you know sometimes you're playing against boys and 19 year old there's there's 19 year old men and there's 19 year old boys and it was just you know it was it was a year that we he gary agnew put me on the ice you know i was on the ice a lot i was put in opportunities to but you know i would i think i would have scored 30 goals on my slap shot just by my shot was 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 big on the power play and and that's what uh, got me a lot of the goals and then the nordiques that didn't work out because you never end up playing a game for them but it must have been a cool experience being drafted by a canadian team yeah you know i would i, I got drafted went to camp twice uh the my second year i was actually the the last one cut it was, it was you know it was between me and adam denmarsh and um, looking back they took the they absolutely <laughs> took the right guy he turned into a pretty good he, yeah he ended up playing he ended for them a, for the abs yeah he got hurt yeah. but yeah but he but it was Fors. I remember Forsberg. It was his first year coming over when he was in Quebec, and he went to camp. And he was at camp, and there was one time he had the puck for it felt like two minutes, and it was just like, holy, this guy's going to be good. And he was he. He's probably a little older than you, right? He's probably like I forty-five, think he, forty-six. Yeah, and this, but this was his first year coming over. He might, he might even be. It might have been when he was twenty. It was his first year anyway. But but like it was sort of here's Peter Forsberg, your first glimpse at him even like you know he wasn't on tv or anything so you're just like this guy's gonna be something special I'm, well even like i remember looking over at the you know like this owen nolan and joe sack and they were kind of in awe you could tell that they were in kind of awe like wow what do we got here so and when you i when they're looking at him like that imagine from my level where i'm looking because that's how that's how good he looked at the time yeah so i went to camp twice there and then because of you know i ended up getting traded at the deadline of the two years going back in the draft and Calgary signed me to a to an entry level and you know it wasn't a great deal but I jumped at it because all I wanted to do was play but then you end up uh in the Canadians organization yeah you know what I got I was St. John I played in St. John Flames uh you back then you were voted in by the fans to the all-star game the coach hated me so so you played for the on the all-star well the yeah All-Star so game. it's kind of a story because Paul Baxter was the coach and he was a he was a he was a tough guy, tough, tough coach, but he he hated me. He didn't like my uh, personality. Well, what what was it? What's it about your personality? Well, I don't I don't even know. I think like it, you just got off on the wrong foot, sort of thing. Well, yeah. Brian Batafi was the trainer, and he ca- I, he called me in the summer and said, "What number do you want?" Or he didn't even ask what number you want. He goes, "You're wearing number seventy one." So I got I came to camp with a broken hand, and I couldn't take full practice for a week or something. And Baxter, even before he's like, because I wore seventeen and. The trainer instead of put give me seventeen because it was taken, he just rotated the numbers and it was seventy one. And old school hockey guys don't like the high numbers. Of and course. the coach, so I was behind the eight ball even before I came in. I ended up being in the sauna. 
getting changed because there were so many people at training camp and the training camp was in St. John. So it just started out in the bad footing. You know, I'm a, like, you know, I, 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 I do, if I do have a problem, I do, I don't mind voicing my, my opinion in the coaches room. So there is, there was a body and head kind of thing, but he, he didn't really like me. I was doing, doing not bad and, and they voted me in the All-Star game and he just hated it. <laughs> so the next year, like the, the media would kept asking me, like, do you want to say anything in the media? Do you want to say anything in the media? Do you want to say anything in the media about, about the, the riff that I was having? And I said, no. And they ended up, I ended up getting traded to right down the road into Fredericton, which is only an hour down the road with the Montreal's farm team. But the funny story is we went into Newfoundland to play and there was no cell phone. So um, I ended up moving the team bus as a joke around the, I hit it behind the airport and it was an automatic bus. So I hit it behind okay. the airport with all okay. the players on it, but the coaches, so they, when, as soon as they came out, they knew it was me. So, but the funny story is that night I ended up getting a call at the hotel from Al Coates getting traded, but Paul Baxter didn't know yet. So we played the next night. So I said, I'll go out in Newfoundland. So I went out after curfew because I wasn't on the team anymore. I got traded Yeah, and, and he was out and he didn't know I was, he's came, came over and started giving me shit about being out after curfew. And I'm like, Go check your messages, buddy. I'm not even on your team anymore. So it's kind of funny. like yeah, Something that would never happen today. Like, no, like he would, yeah, with the cell phones now, he didn't even know. So he, Did you just have a grin on your face? Like, buddy, we're done. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about me. You worry about yourself because we're done. And the trainer was with him at the time, and I can just remember that I'm sure it was a satisfying look I gave him. Like, yeah, I'm done. I'm, I'm out of here with you. So let, let's talk about your coach. Who's your favorite coach of, of all time that you've played for? Well, yeah. It's funny because I I, my, I wear number seventeen because of Jared Glant, who's with with Vegas. He's a he's a guy from PEI. Yeah, I guess I should mention you're from PEI. Yeah, so he so I grew up and he you know he, I was a Red Wing fan because of him. I wore seventeen. I liked Yzerman. He brought me in the dressing room when I was a kid into Detroit when they were in St. Mike's and whatnot. Anyway, so and I'm and I'm pretty good friends with him and him and his wife and and he coached me in Columbus. And so I would have to say he, you know, he's my favorite just because he there's a there's personal, a personal connection. connection. But I, any of the coaches that you know, you, the coaches that play you and the coaches that put you in positions to achieve, to uh, to do well, are the ones that basically the ones that you like. Now, which are the be- best technical? I I I don't know. But the because you know there's going to be seven players on each team that like the coach. There's going to be seven players that don't like the coach, and there's going to be seven that couldn't care either way yeah and i don't think it has anything to do with the quality of coach because you look in toronto mike babcock you know over the years he's made his enemies with with players but he also there's also a ton of players that love him it's just it doesn't really say much about the coach in general that that some players like him some players don't it's just it's just a fact of life right yeah when i, I was listening to a show the other day and it, it was it's a good point that they, they asked who the best coach was and one of the guys on the Station said, I, "I I think it's a that's a stupid question. I think there's a bunch of good coaches, and you can't really separate them because they're all there's all there's a there's a ton of good coaches and none of their. How do you separate the best? So, with with your NHL career, you you were with Quebec at one point. You're with Calgary, Montreal, and Columbus is really where you actually got a chance to play in the NHL. I know you you played three games for the Canadians, and then Columbus yeah. in about ninety, right?" Yeah, well, I, I played I played one game one year when I was twenty one, and then the 
you know, I sat on the bench 13, 14 games in a row, and you did, I didn't get. This a, is with Montreal. Yeah, with Montreal, I didn't get a. Sh- I didn't get a shift, so it doesn't count as a game's played, but it counts on. I don't know how it works. I'm one of your pensions, whatever. You you didn't even get a shift. No. And, oh. Well, my, one one of my first games, I was in Fredericton, and I was and uh, Rajan Ul came into the dressing room and said, "Here's a plane ticket. You're going up to Buffalo tomorrow to fight Burnaby." And I'm like, <laughs> "What? Like this is? I was playing power play. And I'm like, so now I'm 24 hours away." And I have to go fight Burnaby, and I'm like, I know Burnaby. We're, we're, we're in the sorry to interrupt, but in the AHL, were you fighting? Were you getting penalties, or were you well, more I, of a skilled guy? Well, or? well like it, it, it's funny because when I I go up, I'd be even when I was went up with Columbus, I was a fourth line grinder, and when I went down in the minors, I'm a power play first line guy. So, you know, and I did fight early on in my career in the American League, but I also timed it where I was fighting in the last five minutes, so I wasn't missing a lot of of the game so it was you know i i would i remember saying to guys i'll get you back and come back on the ice two minutes left so you you wouldn't miss that's pretty smart yeah so you you get a lot of your penalty minutes when it didn't really matter in the game um but anyway so you're so i went up it's funny how the america my next year i went up uh it's just how things work i went up i played wednesday in montreal I was supposed to play... No, I played Thursday in Montreal. I was supposed to play Friday, Saturday in Montreal. And they were playing they were playing uh, St. Louis and Pittsburgh. So Gretzky and Lemieux. And uh, we were having problems with, with players in, in the American League at the time. We didn't have enough. So they asked me, because our coach, even Paul Ambordolo and our assistant coach, they, they'd signed contracts and played a couple games. So they asked me if I'd go back down Thursday and play a game and then come back up. And I, I said, sure. And I went down and... Eric Landry, I remember hitting the goal. He hit the hit our goalie with about five minutes left, and I ended up grabbing him, and he kicked my leg, and I broke my leg. So it, I missed I missed three months. But the guy that went up for me the next day, and I ended up going up with him because the doctors wanted to check me out. So I got to watch Gretzky and Lemieux play, but I didn't I didn't get to play. Which and the guy that went up for me stayed up for two months. Eric Hood. So it's kind of like if you, you, I was wondering, like, am I ever going to play again in the NHL? And you and know, this is what year? This is. My third year pro, so you know, late nineties, late nineties, early late nineties, yeah. And he went up for two months, and and you know, I, I I didn't play again for nine more years into the I didn't or eight more years in the NHL. So it was like, am I that that's how it ends? <laughs> that that's I think a lot of people don't realize that, like it's all obviously uh, you have to have um, a baseline of skill, a baseline of of ability. But when you're in the AHL, your, your call-ups are based a lot of on opportunity, uh, NHLers getting injured, you being healthy at the right time, um, when you get called up, getting playing time and, and um, well, I, playing the, well. Like, like, like you say, there's a huge gap between your NHL experiences, be, and part of that is because you happen to get injured. Yeah, and, and, and to, to go with your point, Doug McLean and Jimmy Clark and Gerard Glant, they were all in the Columbus organization. They're all from PEI. I know them all before they know my my family and did i earn the spot i th- yeah i think i did but did it help that they were from pei absolutely yeah did. so it's like it's like real life you know who you know yeah else. like i'm sure that the, the doug and i know i know he did i know he gave me a break i earned i earned it but if it, you know if he didn't know me and i was tied with another guy they might have took the other guy you know what i mean like it's that it, it's at that point where you you need a you need a break and if you're tied and the guy knows you, then you're you're the one that's going to get the break. So I'm assuming Columbus is 
the organization that you identify with the most at the NHL level? Like, if someone was walking down the street and, you know, well, asked I, what you did and you said, oh, I was a hockey player, they said NHL, would you probably say, oh, you know, I was a, I was a Blue Jackets player? Yeah, and, and just because I played more games than 90 games, but I always do bring up, you know, it, Montreal is uh, one of those teams that it's just like everyone wants to play for. It's one of the original six, so, it, you know, you always I always mention that just because everyone knows Montreal Canadiens. It's pretty cool. Um, I, but to, to add to that story, even we, I was playing in Fredericton and the the old uh, form, we the the form was closed on Saturday night and uh, we came in and played a American League game on Friday, so we were the second last game in the Montreal form. So that that's you know, pretty cool. That was that was cool. Well, so like you were. Um, just a, like sort of a special game in Montreal. Yeah, like so. Okay. Saturday night was the the final game, and we played the Friday wow. night as the American League game for the for the Friday night. Did you take anything with you? No, you know what I I I do have a form seat, and I did get it at a, a charity event, but I don't. I didn't at that time. No, I just thought maybe you take like I don't know a towel or something. Oh, like. I we got we got we got. <laughs> I don't know if we got a towel that says like the. The last day of the form, but I got a lot of Montreal Canadian stuff at the time. Do, do do you collect stuff? I mean, I'm in your your house right now, and I don't. I see do. Much, I, but I do. I I'm not one to show up, but I do have boxes and boxes and boxes, and I just pulled some stuff out because my sons are 14 and and 10, and I, you know, I'm going to frame some jerseys that I'm not the guy that puts my picture up on my own wall, or I'm not the guy that puts my jersey around. You know, my dad had stuff around his office and and his home, but but now my sons are, you know, they they think it's cool and. And I'm at a point where I don't mind, you know, like they, like my NHL jerseys and my draft jersey, I'm going to frame them and give them to them and so they can at least enjoy them. Because I'm, right now they're in a box. That's pretty neat. Is there anything from either your own career or maybe you've just stumbled upon throughout um, your years in hockey, like memorabilia-wise, that, that is kind of cool or something that sticks out that's weird? Yeah, what are the weirdest, not, not weird, but, you know, I... I knew Brett Hall and uh, from Dallas, and we. I went in with Columbus, and he was in Detroit, and I asked him for a stick. Well, at, hold on, you knew him from Dallas. What do you mean? What, at camp, I went. To okay, camp. you went to camp yeah, in Dallas, and then and I then, ended up hurting okay. my back, and I was, it was hanging around there for a month and a half with the doctors and stuff. So I got to like Grant Marshall okay. was there, who's from PEI. So I ended up getting to know Holly a little bit. And, uh, I'm sensing a theme here. PEI guys stick yes, together, and it and it is, and and they and they do, and it's. I think it's just the the connection and the per. per personalities that that they do i get and, and there's not very many of us so we all do kind of stick together but so he i asked him for a stick and and i use 120 flex or i did at the time and he gave me a stick and it's 45 flex <laughs> i'm like are you crazy and like so I, but I he's one of the greatest goal scorers ever so i know like, i'd watch right. i'd watch him on on the pit still frame pictures and the stick would be like bending like it almost like a circle and now i'm like now i kind of understand why it's going like that and I took it on the ice because I'm like, how do you shoot with this? And I just leaned on it, and the the flex when it released, the puck just went flying. It was like I couldn't control it, but it was like he he he's one of the best shooters he was, ever. He was sort of ahead of his time, I guess, in that sense. Like that's more of a modern take on things. Like you look at guys' sticks now, and the way that like Patrick Line, you look at most of his goals. If you if you freeze frame when he's actually shooting the puck, his stick is it's bent. Yeah, is like completely. Certain, yeah. You know, and elastic. the shooters and the shooters are like that. The the guys that the guys that are still scoring at at, at that Stamkos, Ovechkin, those guys still use the slap shot. Other guys, slap shot's not. If you're not a D, there's not a lot of guys that use it except 
those and it's usually the right shot goal scorers that are using that still that slap shot so brett hall gives you this cool stick he's a pretty big name who else have you bumped into have you crossed paths with that um that are notable or or that you go in in hindsight you go that guy's kind of a big deal and and you know he, he took me under his wing or or we chatted or well th- th- another story i lead to i i played with brett lindros and 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 uh and i we were we were buddies and what, what organization was that? That was in Kingston and Junior. Okay, okay. And I did actually, I went to St. Mike's and I ended up first knowing him there. But Eric was playing, he was 18, he was playing the World Championships. And I was at, at uh, Brett's house, the family house. And uh, I remember Eric coming in at 3 in the morning and picking me up with one hand and throwing me in the other bed because he, he got home from the World <laughs> Championships at 18 playing with Gretzky. And and I was like, wow, that you know, this is... this. And I looked in his room, and he had like huge picture of Mark Messier, and you're like, "This guy's a star himself," and he's got a picture of Mark Messier on his wall. Like, you know, it's just things like that are like, just it's we all have heroes, and we all look up to people in the in the game, and 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 they're no different, I guess. So, who, who, growing up, who did you look up to? Well, I I, I was a Red Wing fan, so I, I love Stevie Eiserman. I like Gerard Land because he you know he put thirty goals in and fought, and and but I like the the. The Wendell Clarks, the Gerard Glantz, but Stevie Eisen was my my favorite one growing up. I really liked his professionalism, and I, even to the to the day I remember, uh, I think it was Gerard that told me he you know he rode the bike f- for a half hour every morning pregame skates and 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 did the cardio like that. And I don't know if that's where it rubbed off. And I'm like, oh, I should do that too. Who's the best player you've ever played with? Your the the teammate where you're just shaking your head and going pretty cool to play with him you can't say brad hall because he didn't technically play yeah, with him you know i think when the the in awe the first year when rick nash came in as an 18 year old he when he came in as an 18 year old he you know he had baby fat he couldn't he couldn't really do the the power he, move that that he's famous for yeah like he came well he, he and he he was deceivingly fast okay he was out of shape but he was deceivingly fast and you know it seemed like he was out of shape because he he couldn't get back as fast as he could go forward but now he's now he's but he's played the same way and he from taking his he was such a long player that when he would take it in front of that when he would take from one side to the net and then empty it drop it in the empty net it was at 18 he you know he had I like sort he, of the uc okanen uh, breakaway well not even that it's more of a jagger where he's pulling it okay. from one side the, and just, drag it all the way over to the other so it's almost like it's the going wingspan ten, yeah, yeah it's going 10 feet but it's going at a quick quick speed and he's right. tapping in the empty net you know he and he, he evolved into he was he was the one guy where I watched and went low mile. But I remember at training camp. This is I remember watching, and this is where I was really starstruck. Is when uh, training camp, and we were it was actually morning skating, and uh, Brett Hall and Mike Medana went down a two on one on Zuboff, and uh, Turco was in net, and and Medano and Hall threw about four one touch passes across Zuboff, and then and then uh, Medano one time to shelf and I'm like one of those passes would have broke my stick and everyone was in awe and he just went top shelf and, and Zubov like, is yeah like they're one of the better defensemen of his generation right everyone it was almost like the 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 practice stopped and everyone for three seconds was like wow what like the passes were so hard and the one time he just and it went shelf like it was like wow these guys are like a different level how about on your on your lines over the years is there anyone that sticks out as just above above everyone else yeah really it, and it, 
he he ended up playing with the Leafs a little bit, and he was a little guy that wasn't wasn't in great shape. But Kyle Wellwood, my locker, right, know, right. I used to give him the puck, and I remember even during the play, I would just be like, I'd be a little behind him watching him, and he was like in the American League, he was he was that good where he you know he didn't even have to make a move and he ended up getting the breakaway and you were like what what what, how did he get that breakaway and he had a vision that you know we 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 played a line together and we were we connected well and you know he was he was he was the guy that i you know in the american league that that was i was like yeah that he was the best i played with so with, with your toronto experience how was that because it was later in your career um walk me through Sort of what happened there, how you ended up with the Marlies, and and what happened. Well, the lockout year, I ended up going to St. John's, uh, which was the Baby Leafs. Right, right. And then, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not catching up on the, the yes, old Leafs. So, so the Baby Leafs. So that, that, so then, and then I. That's when I left the after the lockout year. I went to Russia, and I went to Russia for two years. But my dad ended up getting uh, getting sick, and I needed to come back just to be closer to to PEI. And Toronto was an opportunity, and Toronto was really really well mike penny and uh, and ferguson and were were gave me the opportunity to fly to pei quite a bit to see my dad and you know we had a we had a really good veteran team and and we ended up losing. who were some guys on that team uh stage and kolovacchio Uzniski, uh derek walzer we had the swedish guy in that what was um gustafson michael, michael no they wouldn't before his time Tornquist, Michael. Sounds familiar. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then we had uh, Stage and Wellwood. Oh, we had Ian, Ian White was there. We had a really good team. And yeah, like Nathan, a lot of guys who Nathan, ended up playing. The Nathan Parrott, Clark Wilm. Like we had, we had guys that you know that went on to have some really good NHL. And we we ended up losing to Chicago in five six games, but they ended up walking through the finals. We lost in the semi, so it was we were right we were right there. If not, we were this. You know we definitely weren't better than Chicago so we were second best probably that year so we did have a good year but I ended up they gave me a great opportunity where I was able to fly home quite a bit to see my dad at the time yeah that must have been tough dealing with his oh I'm not sure what what he was yeah he had brain cancer and he ended up they gave him a year and you know basically a year to the day he did he did he did pass and it was you know but it was it was great to get the opportunity to be able to be so close and not be able to and beat to get to see him. Yeah, if yeah. you're in Russia, I mean, you're yeah, you're hard. probably on the ice thinking about him versus Toronto. You're sort of like, I'm gonna go to hockey and then I'm gonna, you know, think well, about my dad after hockey. You can kind of separate the two. Yeah, and it, and, and it worked out perfectly for me at the time in my life. And and they were like, a lot of Mondays to Wednesdays I was in PEI, which the team gave me a great up here. Greg Greg Gilbert was the coach, and he was he was re- he was really good. Man, you're just all the names you're dropping. I feel like there's. There's uh, only a couple degrees of separation between David Ling and most of <laughs> people who have played in the NHL over the last 20 years. And it's until that you know you spark a story, you don't really realize that you do know that many people. Well, you and you're, you're, you're rhyming off so many people. You're rhyming off the St. John's guys, and even though you got about five or six guys through, you're like, wait, who was on that team? Because you've just you've been on so with so many groups. Yeah, and it, it's people. It, it, it's crazy because someone said, "Why don't you write a book?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you know what? That that would be pretty cool." You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna email guys from each team and say, "Send me a couple stories just to yeah. and, and to see what it sparks." Now, you know, I I haven't done it yet, but I I might. I think it'd be 
interesting to see what stories do come out if you know if it's book worthy or, or or whatnot but i you know i i would probably have to wait till my mother passed before i wrote a book why is that why do you say that <laughs> oh there's the good and bad of david link so who oh, knows? okay so, yeah. okay <laughs> um i mean sean pronger chris pronger's brother wrote one uh, about five years ago called journeyman which sounds like it'd be similar to you where he's I mean, I think people, like, I read it and I loved it. I ate it up. I think hockey fans are into just, you know, what happened that, that crazy season in, in Russia or what's the English league yeah, like. Yeah, people, and I played with, played with Sean. He was the, one of the, you know, Oh, okay, the, there the you best, go. Of course of, you played with Sean. One of the best teammates that I ever played with. He was in Syracuse with the Columbus organization. And he, you know, he he might even been our captain. He was, like, he, he was a, he was a great guy but he, when i'm when you read those books or you think like oh we played the american league and we bounced up and down no one wants to hear that story but when you take yourself out of the game and put yourself in a fan it's they don't get to they don't get to see that and they don't get to to live how american league guys go or the east coast league guys go or you know bouncing up and down they don't get to see or hear about all that stuff they only hear sometimes about the the superstars and what they go through and what and whatnot and sometimes it's an interesting read that they do get a different perspective of of the game well you're a perfect example of just grinding like you could have given up literally 10 years ago and you still would have had a very good career people would still hold you in high regard as a pro hockey player who accomplished a lot but you kept going and even i don't know even if you're in your late 20s and you're going you know what this maybe i'm not gonna have a long nhl career maybe let's do something different like you kept going so you know the amount of stories that come from that and obviously there's something deep inside you that that loves this game so much that keeps you going. I think I think that's a that's a pretty a pretty relatable thing in terms of um, if you're a hockey fan who's always loved the game um, and also an admirable admirable thing where you're going, man, that guy just kept going and, and he's resilient and he doesn't want to give up and you know I think people really respect that. Yeah, they and they, and they and they would probably enjoy some of the stories too. And but I but just an idea that you know. It, I've played so long that you know I love the game and I I I would love to coach, but it's almost like I'm coming out of the game too old to start coaching. <laughs> so <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, so have you have you tried coaching? Like I don't know your sons or or locally in Oakville or. No, I I haven't yet, just because I haven't been able to because I just played last year too. I, I haven't been able to commit, and I want to almost you know take a step back and, and see if that's really what I want to do. I love watching, so, you know, even scouting would be interesting to do on the side or whatever. I just, I enjoy watching my kids. I like watching their level. I like watching the good players. I like seeing the development of young kids and seeing where they end up. What kind of uh, hockey do your, your kids play? You got t- So you have two boys. Yeah, they they play they play uh, AAA and they're, you know, they're... Good for them? They're average. They're... Oh, you're gonna get yourself in trouble here. No, no, their hockey IQ. They know their hockey IQ is <laughs> is above average, and they're an average player. So they okay. they they're they're a little smaller, and they don't have the very skill, but just they're they're not the best players on the team. They're not the worst, but their high, hockey IQ is is above average. Hey, if they can get a scholarship, that's saving dad a lot of money. That is true. Just my brother <laughs> actually. My brother graduated from Notre Dame. At, okay. In the, in the with the fighting Irish and Dave Poulin was the coach at the time. So they, he had, uh, they were, they were in the CCHA at the time and they were on probation. They weren't even in a league at the first year. And then 
he played. What, what, what did he still have a scholarship even though they weren't technically? Yeah, they had okay. they had they he had full ride. The first year they were on probation, so they played the regular season, just didn't get to play playoffs. And then the next year they were they were the first year. And but, Dave Poulin was was his coach, so it was he, former former Flyers uh, player now on TSN. And was like yeah with the Leafs yeah front Leafs office, uh, assistant GM. Let's talk about your family then. So you grew up in PEI. Where does your love of the game come from? Is it your dad? Is it your brother? Well, my 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 dad played. He played college in Canada. He you know he wasn't overly skilled. He was, uh, you know. What was he playing? Uh, in PEI. What what he what played at college? Dalhousie University. Okay, so, so Halifax. He, but the funny thing is, my mother played hockey too. She was she, cool. So she played at university too, and it wasn't very competitive, I'm sure, at the time. But she, she played, and she's very athletic. Uh, my brother, my brother played hockey. Started out, and I think it just you know the Canadian small town is back then was street hockey, ice hockey. What what town are you from? Charlottetown. Yeah. Okay, so you're from the big city. The big city, yeah. The other ones technically aren't even cities if you go by <laughs> Summerside. <laughs> and... Yeah, but Summerside, you know, it Summerside is a sports community. They get they get national events that you're like, wow, how do they keep getting these? And they put on a. a, a great events they get the nationals and in quite a bit of sports um so you you have one how many one brother yeah i have a brother and a sister brother and a sister um are you what kind of kid are you back back in the day uh like are you obsessed with sports or was it just sort of a thing you did no we were we were we were obsessed with sports we played you know we played all the sports my mother put us in she in every sport to try it and and uh but hockey was the main one we were me and my brother were, you know, we were pretty good at really young age, and and that helps when to fall in love with the game when you know you're one of the better players in the area. That 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 helps with even for the love because you know who wants to be bad or who wants to you know. And so it was, and it's a Canadian small town that back then it was there's not much there was no TV there was no phone or you know you're listening to the radio one channel on TV so you're outside. This is the turn of the century, right? Yes, no, yeah, but really it yeah. seems like it from with the technology now like we had the rabbit ears on the tv with yep. one channel and hockey night in canada that's about yeah it. yeah so you, we, we were outside all the time playing and sports were the way to to beat the time well so you you left home and it's dawning on me now that um you kind of have to do this if you're if you're from pi and you want to compete at a high level of hockey because even this year for this draft noah dobson from I don't I'm not sure where in PI. He's from, but Sum, he's from Summerside. He's from Summerside. And I watched him as a young kid, and you could tell that he was going to be uh, a talent at you know an Adam and Pee Wee. But he had to leave, and now he's playing in the in the, the QMJHL, and then will go probably top ten, top fifteen in the draft. But there comes a point when you're a player um, in a like you could even say like let's say you're from Northwest Territories, like you just have to play better competition, so you have to leave. You end up going to, to St. Mike's. Was that your first? Yeah, at sixteen, I went to St. So Mike's. that's a Toronto. But my school. brother had went to Notre Dame the year before, so he was sixteen as well. But he's two years older. He went to Notre Dame out in Wilcox, Saskatchewan. Okay, so that's he, so he went. That's like he, a hockey factory there. Yes, yeah. and I think that's where Dobson went. Is that where Dobson? I went? think so. Yeah, so they, a lot of guys go to to Notre Dame or they go to which Shaddix. Yeah, uh, like, a, uh, like Sidney Crosby, Crosby did that because yeah. so Nova Scotia, US, you got to leave at some yeah. point. And that's crazy too because three of those, arguably three of the top ten players in the NHL are from where Sidney Crosby's from, Marshawn, McKinnon, and Crosby. Yeah, and they all that train, is pretty they all wild. Training, they all train together, so it's, it's you know. They, I don't and, think there's any uh, 
any surprise that Marchand plays with Crosby and all of a sudden, you know, a couple years into his career, um, is this like highly skilled elite guy, great one on one along the boards? And that's all, I'm sure. Ra- I'm sure it helps because you've seen the videos and I've seen them them battling, battling, and that that's that what I'm trying to, to get help. at. Like, yeah, that, that has like, to help in yeah. the summer if you're going one on one with Sidney Crosby five days a week. That's going to pay off. And they and the 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 thing that I love about Sidney the, the most is I knew him as a, as a kid and he's yeah and but he's his work ethic and his his is is. Even though he's the best player in the world, his work ethic is above anyone's. He, I remember a couple of years ago, he was you know seven eight hours of training Pacific, not whether it's exercise, but it's hot tubs and massages and and training and and whatnot. And he's focused on eating and 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 everyone is now, but he was above his time. And he's he's so dedicated to the game; it's crazy. He's a hockey machine. Machine, I think, is a way to put it. So. You go from PEI to St. Mike's, and then and then you get drafted to the OHL from there. Well, I went up thinking because my my brother wanted to go college. I wanted to play major junior just because I, and there was no Quebec League team in in my town, so we could pick back then. So I wanted to play in the OHL, and I thought going to St. Mike's would give me the opportunity. Two months in, I ended up going back home play, play tier two. I was leaving St. Mike's, and my fourth coach at St. Mike's was coming in. There was kind of like it wasn't it wasn't being run very well, so I left. And I ended up getting drafted to Kingston and played three years there. What, uh, do you have any regrets from your career? Like, is there anything where you go, ugh, I went down the wrong path that way, or I took the wrong, um, I made the wrong choice with this team? Well, you know what, I I would like to rewind and and see, I felt like, you know, I did did party a lot, I, I did like, I did like the lifestyle, I did like, uh, going out, I having some some beers and, and and whatnot this is at different levels or just when you were young or just you know it was just a it, was, it i i played in i played in the in the 90s i played in 2000s i played in 2010 and the game has changed so much now that it's the game now the kids are into pro, protein shakes in the in the 2000s it was a mixture and before that it was if you didn't drink you didn't you we'd no one trusted you because if you didn't drink with us we couldn't trust you so it was and you Literally, some guys would get traded because they were like the drink. culture was completely totally different. different. So you, you, drinking was part of the game, and it was more even even in society, drinking and driving back then was more accepted than it is now. Where now it's absolutely never do it, don't do it. But so it's just the way the culture is, is moving. And I would like to go back, change some things, and see if I could have been a better player. Or you know, I I felt you know I was one of the guys that could play guilty, and I could play. But I just want to know if that was could have been in the difference, and that's the only regret I had. But how are you going to know? I could, you know, I I could have played better. Where you know, some guys because of anxiety and because of stress and because all these things happen in the game, maybe that that was my medication and that's what helped me relax and become better. I who knows? But I'd like to look back and see if I could do it focused only playing the training and the with without as drinking as much did, did it ever get you in trouble like in terms of like a coach i don't know sitting you or you get oh suspended? yeah i always you know i'm my personality without parting is on the fence i i oh, I, <laughs> I like open, that i open my mouth and i it, certain certain times i could fall over the fence or i could be hang hanging dangling there so it's you know i and i it's a personality that i've always had and it's you know it's it's why people some people like me and some people don't and you know i I'm not. I don't play. I don't go out trying to hurt people. 
either in in any way but sometimes you know with my personality and trying to be funny and whatnot sometimes you do cross the line and when you do cross the line you get you get reprimanded and coaches have some coaches have really hated me and some coaches you know even told me i like the way you play but but that's always the worst right when (laughs) you hear the butt coming yeah so it's and that you know i but i think it my personality has given me longevity and 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 being able to because i do it it, it 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 is a positive trait, I think, but it also at sometimes because I'm on the fence is a negative. So I think that and the drinking, I you know, I ne- I never I wasn't one to get out before curfew. I wasn't a curfew misser to say. Well, that's pretty good. But I would go out when I got, had the chance, and you know, you, there was always like off days. You you enjoyed your off days. Yeah, or I knew to have four or five beer and go home before the curfew because why well, miss curfew and even though they didn't have cell phones and they didn't know where you but were. But they were on the lookout. Right. So it... Any, any, any times where you, you miss curfew and you're walking back and happen to see the coach or anything crazy like that? No, I... You know what? I never... I never... I never had... I never had that thing, but I heard tons of stories like where the coach would get the... Scotty Bowman would get the coach to... Or the elevator guy to get a stick sign at 2 o'clock. <laughs> That's great. But I did have a buddy, a good buddy of mine who I grew up with from PEI. He, he ended up missing curfew one night and coming in and he was uh walking on all fours in the lobby with another guy barking like dogs because they're coming through and the, the coach ended up coming down for a drink of water or something catching them and i think he even got sent down to the coast for a couple of weeks that year too like it was you know so there's different stories like that i never i never got caught i never i didn't go out much enough to get caught and if i did go i had more players like it, you tried to stay on the that was side. one rule that you know I broke I broke a lot I broke a lot of rules and I curfew was one of the ones where I thought it was disrespectful. It was an easy opportunity for the coach really to hate you, and it was one of those ones where I don't you have no excuse for it. Yeah, so, like so, it, it's all on your plate. Like right. either make curfew or don't, and you have a point in the night where where, you other, to do where it. other rules there's leeway and there's what there's explanation why and whatnot. Curfew to me at that time was one where. And guys that you know that I did play with, I'm sure I did miss it here and there, and, and weighed the options. But it was one of those ones where it's disrespectful to the team, it's disrespectful to the coach. It's a rule that at that time was you know it, it's an easy way for the coach to say, well, you're not playing anymore because now I don't like you because you disrespected my rule. So it was, it was just one of those rules I just didn't want to miss. Who was the hardest coach you played for in terms of like strict rules? Not even on the ice, just off the ice, like just constantly on you guys i think it was my rookie year paul baxter i think he called curfew like he was calling he i think he i remember he called we had three days off i I can still remember because it's such a joke move he he called curfew at five to twelve on new year's eve with we didn't play till january 3rd or something like you know like something that's just disrespectful to to us because we're you know we're some of us are even if we're 20 we're we're men and some of them were 30 and todd alushko was you know he was on the team and and were you guys on the road? Is that why he had so no, power we over home. you? You were at home. Oh, okay. So he knew if we, if we did go out, he would know because it was a small small town, maritime town. But it was just like, come on, like, do you really need that? What about fighting in practice? Did you ever get? Because you know, you hear about it nowadays. It's obviously less common, but like you'll hear about it, and I just go, I guess I could see how you know tensions boil over, and you know, you guys 
in practice teammates getting each other's faces but the actual fighting i don't know how it gets to that point where you're like punching your teammate in the face in practice preparing for a game did you ever get to that point and why well i you know i i i fought a few times that i've i've witnessed you know back in back in the day there was usually a fight at every couple weeks for sure on the ice and you know what people don't realize it you don't like all 20 guys you play with yeah they're that's not fair. they're not yeah. your friends you wouldn't hang out with them away from the rink you, they do things in a game that piss you off and things, it's like any workplace right like and they, and it boils over and sometimes it's two guys fighting for the same job and you know if if, if i eat you i'm gonna play and and i'm gonna make more money and i'm gonna have a better opportunity so sometimes it's career moves and sometimes it's trying to impress the coach or or whatnot i remember my first year junior going to camp at 17 and i went scrimmaging this and i got pounded in a fight and my i called my dad after and they said no fighting after after the first day and i called my dad and he said uh, i said i got pumped i said i played well but i got pumped and he's like well fight the guy tomorrow just come back and you know if you get pumped again at least they know that you'll come back and i'm Your like that sounds pretty old school and I, and i said i said yeah but we're on the same team he said yeah just do it so and i said well they're not allowed we're not allowed to fight he said yeah that's just they just say that so the next next day we were i remember it was a white and black game and i was on the team with the guy and i forget the guy's name i don't even know if he ended up playing but we're doing the horseshoe drill and warm-up for the scrimmage and i took a shot went over into the corner and cross-checked him and we fought so we were on the same (laughs) team fighting so that's amazing and then that that was the first time uh practice fight but then there was another one i remember fighting uh i was in syracuse uh doobie westcott i ended up getting in a fight with him and in, in the, and we broke it up and the coaches brought us in and we were in a huddle like that we do on the board and and he wanted to fight he came right over to me in the in the thing and we fought again right in the middle of the coach speaking and it, and then it was I like, wonder if the, your teammates were just like guys give it up well that's Get what over basically the after after <laughs> the first one the second one was like okay now that would stop like now you don't need to be doing that anymore and and you know sometimes I've had coaches tell me Go go fight that guy in practice. But wait, we need a wake up call. Like Interesting. I've, I've had that, so, and it, you couldn't do it now. You get char- the coach probably get charged now, criminally if they if they did that now. But well, you see, like Glenn Gulletson freaked out in practice uh, during the Flames season. I don't know, maybe like January, February, and it, and it goes viral, and all of a sudden everyone's talking about like, wow, is he is he too hard on his players? Is he you know I, is he is he a real players coach? It's like I'm sure that happened almost daily at, at you know in the 90s and the early 2000s especially not in the nhl but in the ahl echl elsewhere like the further you go down i think the more I Michelle, hardcore I had, people are. i had michelle terry in my third year pro he, he was, was that and, and i remember we were it, it, it wasn't shattercourt but we, it was a we were in in the u.s and uh we were practicing at a high school in the okay. u.s in, yeah. be- in between games from i don't know like new haven to we stayed and we practiced ended up practicing a small ring and i remember we we were practicing he there was no pucks on the on on the ice at first and then all of a sudden he brought a garbage can on with a towel over the over the garbage can and put it at center he goes uh we're going to skate for an hour and a half and when if you have to puke go into the garbage can and wipe your face and back in line he goes wow so it, imagine that today though yeah imagine that yeah so like and you know what i i played recently and Kids don't react the same way. They don't react to uh, to a lot of negative, not negative abuse. Where back in the day, that's how you got a lot of guys going is by threatening them. Now it's like 
okay, well, if you, if you don't want to play me, I'll just go home and play video games. You know, that's kind of the mentality now. Like, well, okay, yeah, big deal. Do you think it's good that the players have taken back some of the power? Uh, I, mean, I think it, it, I think it, they. I don't. I don't think they. I'm going to say respect the game as much, but because the game is so much better now, and the kids are so much more talented, but they just don't re. And they do. They do want to learn, and they do want to to follow a a. a a program that the coach puts in, but they don't want to listen to the the negative and the yelling and the they need a pat in the back. And it, it, you know, my kids are the same way. They they're coddled. They love their mother, giving them a big hug and and going from there. And then, and that's just the way the personalities of a lot of the guys are. As you you can see the, you know, that Tom Wilson's an old school type player. That that. What did you think of his hit that he got suspended for three games on? Uh... On uh, Ashton Reese, I watched it and I'm like, I, I don't like I, 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 I wouldn't have suspended him in the playoffs. That's my opinion. There's, I didn't see the one. I listened to the radio and there's an angle where he's coming. You, the cameras from behind, and I guess that shows it a little more. I didn't see that angle, but the angles that I've seen, it, I didn't. He didn't raise his arms, his shoulder hit the head, and if that's the head, shoulder to head now is a suspension, then he deserves. You know something, I guess. But back in the day, do, do you think back in the day that hit that hit happened forty times? Yes. Which, which that's not okay either because back then that there was a lot of guys. The games evolved into a game that's way better, but sometimes you do have to let those hits go. Like that's just because he broke his jaw. Is that why he got suspended? Who knows? I don't know. So do you? Th- the way that I'm interpreting what you've said is you think the game's getting a little soft, but it's also better because the skill level's never been higher. Yeah, like there's not as many, there's not as much hitting, and there's not which which is good, but a good physical Winnipeg Nashville playoff game is fun to watch. After watching 82 games, where you don't see that a lot of that, I I really do like the Winnipeg Jets style of play right now, and because they are more physical and they are have a little bit of edge where they are cross that line where they're dirty. But they're winning hockey games because of the elite, you know, puck skills of of right. The, the shot of line A, you know, Shifley's versatility. Like, there's sort and of the, a... And the big buff. There's Yeah, well, of, of course. He's had, he's had a hell of a, a playoff so yeah. far. Um, and he's another guy where he, he started out the year with... he did, I don't even think he scored in in 2017. I think his first goal came in January, and they were talking about... I do oh, remember we, that, yeah. I think, do we have to trade him? And that was like Crosby the year before. And they ended up finishing third in the scoring race and winning the cup. So <laughs> Funny how those things work yeah. out. Where, when you were, you know, whether it was pro, minor hockey, um, you know, recently while you're you're sort of semi-retired or whatever you want to call it, has your height ever factored into the, your style of play? Like, do you feel like you need to be extra aggressive? Because if you go on your lead prospects page, you have years of hundreds of penalty minutes. Like, you were not afraid to either be physical bo- via body check or drop the gloves. Was, was a part of that sort of like, hey, I'm short, but I'm, you can't bully me? I, my, my my first real coach back in Charlottetown was Forby Kennedy, who was a small fighter back in the original six days, and uh, he's five. He he'd be five seven, and he taught me that, that you know if you if you want to play, you're going to have to to answer the bell. You're going to have to prove that. You either have to, what you want is you want someone to say he's five nine, but he plays six feet, and that's a compliment that I, I you know I got a quite a bit when I was younger and and a lot of it 
I came to junior and I didn't win a lot of fights. I fought a lot, but I didn't win a lot. And I learned that how to fight. And I learned that sometimes winning isn't what gets your room and it's showing up and tough as dropping your gloves and whether you win or lose. And back in the day, Bobby Clark, you know, he was running the flyers and I remember going into Philadelphia in the, in the minors and, and Hershey in the minors and all their D were six, 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 five, six, six. And that was, that was norm. And that was, and they were big and slow. And that was the, the style of play back then. And you, to get in front of the net, you had to go in and, you know, I was five, nine and I had to prove I want to play in the NHL. I want, I thought I had the skill to play in the NHL, but I had to do something else. And, you know, it, I think that, that, me fighting and me doing that edge and you know I was a really dirty player you know I couldn't play in the game now the way I played back then because I'd be suspended all the time I was what was a dirty like stick work or was it elbows or anything it, it was you know like when the t- I thought I thought the end of me was when they brought in two refs in the minors because I was going to get caught way more because you know I always go into a hit and I'd have know where the ref was and know what, who was watching and knew that that the linesman couldn't call a two-minute penalty and there was you know I and I it gave me an edge and it really you know looking back I probably did some things that on the ice that are like barbaric now but it was like you adapt to your surrounding I don't really I don't blame anyone who's who's who acted a certain way in the, during a certain era like that's just a I remember watching normal and this is this is the this is the most compliment that I've you know like it Ray Emery was getting an interview when he was with the Senators and he, they asked him who was you know who was the guy you hated playing against the most and he said in the minors it was just David Ling and the, really? know, yeah so that that was a that was a compliment that I took like yeah well you know I'm, I'm doing my job they don't like playing against me and you know even my teammates in Brampton and my teammates in England and they all say god I wouldn't want to play against you cuz they they have the the cam on me and they're watching me on the ice and doing doing little things that you don't get caught for and they're like we wouldn't want to play against you and i take that as a compliment you know it's it because you're doing something that you're getting an edge and you're 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 able to help help win and help score well we're talking about marchand before i mean he's the probably the ideal example of a guy you would hate to play against but love on your team and if you can be that guy at any level, I don't, I don't know. There's not a Bruin fan that doesn't like that guy. Exactly, and and as me, I, like I'm gonna, I don't, I don't cheer for any team. I love him too because he's, I do, I, because he backs up his his nastiness. And and mind you, he's he's probably uh, he crosses the line sometimes, but he backs that up with incredible skill, with a with a fantastic shot, with with great passing ability. But him crossing the line in September helps him in January sometimes. You know, like that's it's a it's a in terms of getting in the guy's head? Yeah, it affects yeah. guys' brains. It affects guys' way they play. I'm going in the corner. I might not hit him as hard because if I do hit him, I'm going to get stuck in the back of the leg or, or whatnot. And I think really the guys the guys uh, change. I remember uh, I tell this story quite a bit because I, I was in England and I was, you know, I, I play it as a career and I play it as a job. And, and it's it's the game, the hockey game in in, in the world now is isn't rich man's rich kids game because you have the so much money to play and i was going to the net and the defenseman goes what are you doing just it's just a game i'm like no no this is this is my job like but 
this really? is my it, job. Playing and I, English pro, that the guy was saying that to you? Like, yeah, he goes, I was going to the net hard, and I had my elbows up, and he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is just a game. And I'm like, no, no, this is this is how I feed my kids. Like, this is this is, this is is my job. And I look back at the, after that game, and I reflected, and I'm like, that that's, you know, it's not a fault on that guy. That's just the way that the culture is now. It's, it's not, they play for the love of the game, but it's not their job, where before I, it was, it was our job like we, this is how we, we made a living and this is that's the way we we took it and we but now it's not that way even though the game's better they're making more money and they should because the game's so good it's so fast out of the different places that you played in Europe Italy uh, Finland England um, any stick out as you know or Russia as well um, maybe Russia aside because we've already talked about them but the other three Italy uh Finland and England, any stick out with with good memories, bad memories, um, you know, crappy towns, crappy bars, crappy motels. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll leave Russia out of there because the 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 zero star hotel is in Russia, <laughs> maybe the minus two star hotel. But every city that I went to in in Europe, where it's there was something really good about it, like it was just an experience. A lot of the towns that didn't have a lot of English. They're hard to live in after a while because you become. Do you, do you know any other languages or? No, I still learn English, so it's <laughs> <laughs> forty years in. I the, and the funniest is, of all the languages, maybe it's because I was there longest. I picked up the most words in Russian, so I, I interesting. And I do understand, like even at the gym the other day, I, list, I was eavesdropping on two Russian guys talking, and I could figure out what they were talking about to a point. Where right, I would be able to say this is what you're talking about. And I might get it wrong, but I I think I would have enough words that I would know. So, besides that, you know, like every like, I was in North, I was in the Alps in in Italy, and I was in a small fourteen thousand ski hill community that in January, December, January, the population quadrupled because of tourists, and it's amazing ski place. And but after a month, you're you're bored, and you're not allowed to do anything. You're, but, and then you go into Finland. I was going from Switzerland, which is... Right, Switzerland, too. So Switzerland, I was in a small town, but it was, you know, it's very interesting because it's hilly and it's, you know, that the Swiss Alps and you, it's... it's and it's, it's Did you it, become a skier between these these places you lived in? I did ski a couple times. I didn't I didn't go that much during the year. I, you know, I, I'd sit at the coffee shops at the base of the hill and just, just watch because I didn't... Again, it's you know why why waste a contract on one? Oh well, yeah, you don't want to get injured. But yeah. we did. I did go definitely ski some, and it was quite the experience. Then I got so Nick uh, Nicholas Eller's dad was coaching me. The guy really? in Winnipeg was yeah. coaching me, and it, actually the assistant coach was Mulgan, which is his kid plays in Florida now. Yeah, yeah. So they and and they were eight and nine years old, and I'm like, I thought Eller's was going to be really good. The other day I didn't didn't really think, but he. 20 goals in the NHL so he's really good so the elders did he he I was leading the team in scoring I had the the and he hated the way I played he, he didn't like because I couldn't skate I wasn't fast and he, he didn't like it so he basically brought in another import and I was leading scoring he was going to put me in the stands and use me as a as an extra and I'm like no I'm not doing that He's like, you're not going to do that. And I'm like, no. I said, you give me another year of my contract, I'll do it. But I'm not just going to do that in January. Not maybe not play again until next year. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. And he said, so I ended up going to Jokerit in Finland in January. What year is this? Uh, 
ten, two thousand ten, two. So these leagues are pretty competitive. Yeah, like this like is the NL, this is the NLA, like this yeah. is the top league league in Switzerland, and, it, and it's gotten better since then. But even then, it was maybe a top five league in the world. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Like they were, and they're always in group group A, and they're like you know, they're different styles in the American League. Like American League's good, but the KHL, I think a good team would beat the American League and and whatnot. So I think they and Swiss the Swiss league has the has the thing as the next best league in yeah. Europe outside of the KHL. So I. So, so that's too good. Like, so he, I ended up going to Finland in Jokert into January, and I didn't see the sun until April. <laughs> Literally, it was so dark. Like, yeah. you only got you know, if you missed two hours of the day, you didn't get any light. <laughs> so it, it's it's Finland was depressing because it, it, it there was no light and it was it was really dark and and but it was an interesting interesting city. Like I it, it, I played in in Jokert right where the. Uh, World Championships were that the, the, the next year the rink was unbelievable. It's it's Helsinki, which is a city that you know everyone should see. Like any big city you want to, in Europe that's new is is interesting. So it was I I like Finland. The style of play was a lot more North American. There was checking and 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 it was more north south where other leagues are east west. No, don't turn it over. Don't dump it in. Which I like I like Finland the hockey probably the best in Europe. So so. Every, like I every city every city that I played in had positives and there's a lot of the negatives were after a while where it became lonely and homesick and, and, and whatnot. Is there a city anywhere in the world that you've played that is like underrated or like I don't know, it could be like in Mississippi or in, you know, Connecticut or somewhere in Switzerland or wherever where you're just you think back and you go, That was kind of a cool city, even if it was just on the road stopping through. Oh yeah, there was but from 20 to 30, the way I judged a city is how good the bars were, I think. Like, you know, because we didn't get, we, you don't get to. Well, that's true. You're in, not, you're in not American, a tourist. Like, you, don't get a, yeah. you don't get to tour around and whatnot. And, uh, but, you know, I, I did get to see going out in L.A. And, and, and Long Beach and Anaheim that you did get to see areas where that were unbelievable through because of people who hung out there movie stars and actors and and you know that was interesting but every like everyone everyone should see when i played in italy i went to rome everyone should see rome okay there Every, you go everyone should see that at least once like I, my kids are definitely good because it's so old and so it's an amazing city but i you know and and i would never go back but moscow is a city that for, for a week is very interesting experience very, well, like, experience. like because of the you know like there's the different buildings are styled by the what president was was in the time like so the the, the russians know that that's a stallion building because he, he built them that way when he was the president and so it's 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 very interesting and i did some tours tours in in moscow the first couple of weeks and it was very very interesting my dad was a big russian history buff he actually was a orthopedic surgeon but when he was 55 he took some russian university courses just because that was an interest that he that he had and he he didn't get over to russia but i'm sure he would have loved to uh to to be part of that too in terms of injuries i know like did you ever have any concussions i know you you've you've talked about the odd injury here and there but anything serious where you're like this is this is uh well, you know what I, not fun i do remember like the, the Bambi legs. I, I remember coming off the ice back in in the early pros and junior, and and but not knowing that it was a concussion. And 
and but I've never really been knocked out, and you've never you know woken up on the ice. No, I, ne- oh, okay. I never had that. I've never forgot parts of games, and I've never had that. I have woke up with headaches. And even even with with your fights. Yeah, I, I you know I and I woke up with headaches, which who knows? Like I I, I don't know, but I did end up getting through my dad's bodies. I ended up getting my uh, my brain looked at just to see how much they can see and, and what and whatnot and there was there and it was it's almost like they wanted an ex, my dad's buddies wanted an excuse but they they didn't find anything so who knows well i was gonna ask you why i asked you about the concussions is there's a lot of players now donating their brains obviously once you're dead to research ct research CTA. would you be interested in that because you've been oh i think i would i think i would because you'd be a good test subject especially when you think you weren't you know, you, get, you weren't in any dire situations, but you played so much hockey that you'd probably. Yeah, no, be, and I and I and I I think I, I think I would be would be interested in doing that. You know, you, I, you definitely you don't get to get the results, but you know you're helping them figure out what's going on. But like the brain is really, I have the brain is a really tough, tough, tough organ to figure out because there's so much dynamics to it, and you know, uh, and I'm. I'm not taking. I'm not. I'm not going against. I'm not going against concussions. I'm not going against uh, what guys go through and and whatnot. But there is there is a lot of depression and there's a lot of uh, abuse, addiction, that when you're done hockey, come in and and it makes you feel like you are. You know, you, you you've lost who you are, and you, and you you're dealing with. Are you dealing with concussions or are you dealing with? depression from not playing anymore you're dealing with addiction or you're dealing with uh, a lot of guys come out that don't have school that don't do can't do anything and you're so there's the dynamics of of these guys and maybe i'm going to get in shit for it but and i i i I don't care because i do have compassion for for mental illness and i do have compassion for addiction and i do have compassion for concussions because it's real and it does happen but a lot of these guys have the same addictions and they have the same, you know, the the problems with identity after hockey and it's it's a tough, tough, tough go. And it is a tough go and they do have concussions. So it, it but is it a mixture of all the three? Who knows? Yeah, I would think that they're not they've gotta be connected, right? I mean, I don't think anyone who has a long career leaves feeling like they can just transition into the next thing, you know, seamlessly. Like there's gotta be some sort of whether it's therapy or I don't know some sort of guidance. Yeah, because you're going with fifteen, six thousand to fifteen thousand fans thinking you're God, and then yep. Now you're de- now you're back to normal. Yeah, even even players that players that I've talked to over the years that say they were like relatively famous or, or relatively known. Two years after they're done, it's like on the street, no one would notice them. You know, they meet people, they're like, oh, cool, you played hockey. Versus when you're playing, you're a big deal. Wow, you're an NHL. Or it's like you you slowly become irrelevant, I guess. Great. I only say that, like, in uh, sort of the way other people view them. Like, I, I mean, I, no one's irrelevant to me. but And put it in perspective, I a couple years ago, I met up with uh, Brendan Shanahan and. and Okay. And I said, I, I I want to pick your brain. And we were talking about after hockey and this and that. And he's listening and like unreal. And he and he says to me, he goes, you know what? He goes, I get it. I understand. He goes, you know what? Gretzky had the same problem. So when you put it in perspective that 
the best player to ever play when he was done had a little bit of a reality check that now he's not Wayne yeah, Gretzky, the hockey player, yeah, yeah. present hockey player. He's the past hockey player. And he said that he had that battle and he had had to figure that out. It's so almost you, like a midlife crisis, except it happens whenever your career ends. Like Yeah, so and you put it in perspective that way that it's not just me and it's not just him and it's it's, it's everyone. Wayne yeah. Gretzky's you know, why would he why would he have a problem leaving the game? Well, because it's what you you've loved and done, and that's all you know. Did you know Shanahan before? You just approached him, or I did. I did. I did know him. I met him at a. I met him at a, the NBA All Star game. Reconnected with him, and that's he, random. Why were you at the NBA All Star game? At the, I was at the party after. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is when it was in Toronto, like 2015 yeah, the Toronto, or yeah. whenever it was. Yeah. So 16? I I ran into him, and ended up meeting for a coffee with him. Okay. Later. But cool. we. I'd I'd fought him when I was in Columbus and he was in Detroit and and he remembered and it was kind of like a, we were joking around. That's so, fun. So and then he and he and he 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 allowed me to have a coffee with him and pick his brain and and figure out this stuff and and he was really really good. He 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 helped me and he that's put it in perspective that that was like he he said Wayne Gretzky's dealing with the same problems that you are, that he is, that I did, that I am still that you they, so it's it's everybody and there's there's problems so and my brother who he says the cte too they do they do they study regular people's brains like is your brain is 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 uh, declining by age i think they have an this is just and dementia, this isn't me speaking as someone who um like has, if i had a problem with my brain would i have had a problem with my brain if i didn't play hockey because of dementia like i have dementia in my family and i have deterioration of the brain i, I think they've anyway. i th- and again this isn't me speaking as an expert but i think that they've found a way to determine the difference between hits person. to the head via sport versus like any other problems oh, in your really life good. Yeah, yeah. so i mean and, uh, and as football players and hockey players we're getting banged oh yeah even when you don't know you're getting banged you're getting banged like i remember playing like brett with brett lindros and 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 his one of his last concussions was a punch to the chest. Right, it was just the right. brain hitting the skull. So you know, it, it's it, it is a it is a powerful thing, and it's real, and it's it does cause a lot of problems, and it 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 makes your brain deteriorate at a quicker pace because of the evidence. You see it, you, and you see it with hockey players, and you see it with football players, and it's good that they are figuring out ways. You know, like Tom Wilson gets suspended. Maybe that cuts it back even a, another another thing, which is which is good. That's a that's a positive for sport. Well, and we we all love football. We all love hockey. It's just you want to make it safer so that people aren't spending half their life. You know, but in, as an older as an older fan, isn't that but the, a real physical game? Yeah, like the, the, that, that, the that's, Jets, and then it's a really fun game for me to watch compared to like watching a game that I love watching the good players and I love watching highly skilled, but that. The checking and the tight physical play is, is almost gives it that much extra enjoyment. Yeah, th- that's what the league at the NHL level. That's what minor hockey parents, coaches need to figure out is like how are we, how are we going to find the balance between entertaining good hockey, hockey that um, everyone enjoys versus safe hockey. There's got to be some sort of meaty middle ground there. And when I I, I watch Bantam and when I watch Bantam and they're just starting to learn to hit, there's Fifty percent of the kids are out there trying to make that big hit where they're trying to hurt the guy, and I think that maybe that's, that's a problem. Maybe that's the level where you try to figure out because if you if you allow a pattern in anything yes. to continue, it's going to continue when everyone gets older. So I think at the younger age is where you have to somehow I don't know the what program you could 
put in place that that would help limit that but i think that's where the respect for the head has to come in is when you're because when you do watch bantam the kids are flying around and all they want to do is we have that big hit where the they can put on Instagram and their buddies can say, boom, like, yeah, which, yeah. which is real, which is, you know, hey, you're and a kid feels and you, you and it feels crave those hit things like that. You know what I mean? And it, and you watch the games and you, they're 50% of the guys are trying to hurt the other guy. And maybe that's where they start. I don't know. Okay. Let, let's wrap this up with you telling me what your plan is. Um, moving forward like you said you got your mba in england we we kind of brushed over that it's yeah, kind of a big deal yeah, I got my how, did that, how did that work they were offering a school package when i was to, to go over there and that was one of their because they don't pay as much as other leagues and that was one of the the, the things to try to get you over there and it, i didn't have an undergrad and they were like well take a master's in hockey or take a master's and whatever and i'm like no i'll take an mba or i'm not coming and they're like we can't do that you don't have an undergrad blah 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 i'm like well i'm not coming give me the NBA I'm not coming so they they put me on probation and you know one year NBA 14 months or whatever and and I ended up like as in if you don't have good enough marks then we're just going to throw this right so they 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 read over my first couple papers and Mm -hmm. I had to write a entrance level exam and and whatnot and and it you know it worked out well my one because I do have not I wasn't dumb in high school my brother went to Notre Dame my mom's a nurse my yep. sister's a nurse my dad was a doctor so I do yeah, have good genes <laughs> yeah so I school with school some people important yeah. and it was it wasn't as hard as it was for some people which just that's just it wasn't so it was and I ended up getting that and you know I had some 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 sales opportunities and issues and life issues turned those away for at for a time and and a buddy of mine in Wasaga Beach uh you know, I was doing home appraising and he, Tim Dickinson, and he, uh, you know, s- reached out and said, why don't you do this and, you know, figure it out and, you know, come work with me and take over my company and, and whatnot. And, you know, I felt, you know, at that time that that was a really good situation and I'm re- really enjoying it. I'm not, I'm a candidate in, in appraising and, and I'm doing that, but I, I do want to, I do want to stay in hockey in some way, whether it's scouting, even coaching minor hockey or because I love watching the game. I love watching kids develop. I love watching my kids play. I love watching their friends be good. I love watching good good kids. I like watching to see where they go and where they end up playing. And I remember going to the rink even when I was in the area and I, I remember seeing McDavid play and I think he was playing midget and he might have been Bantam age and I was in awe at that time. And, and you know, and you and I didn't even just be, I, the only reason I remember his name is because of I'm David and he he was McDavid right, right, he of was course. really good and then yep. a couple of years later everyone knew who he was but so it was like that's the only reason I remember him at that time and I love watching good players at young ages develop develop yeah so I, I'd like to stay in the game I, I'm doing home appraising now and I'm, I'm enjoying it and it's, so so I guess the ideal situation is you start your second career and you keep you keep some you know your your uh, fingers on on hockey in some way, whether it's you know, yeah, like know I like, coaching I like to, or to scouting, the, or even to the point where I don't need, I don't, I'm not looking to scout for a career. I want to, even if it's for free, and I just give my advice. You know, it's stuff like that that I I do because I enjoy it. I love, I love hockey. I love. I wish I could play until I was 80, but and oh, and if there's any men's leagues around that <laughs> guys need to, need an extra player, give me a ring. What if what if uh, the Brampton Bees call you again? You don't you don't know what you'd say or would you would you suit up? It, it two 
Yes, I would say yes. No, I'm not going to get the call again. I, I, I feel the game has gone by me. I think this year I really noticed that the game is fast and really a different style. Can I still take a position and play the power play in the East Coast Hockey League? Yes, I think I could. But it's, you know, the game's fast and why would they waste a veteran spot on me again? Which So, yes, I would say yes, probably. And But I, I don't think I'm going to get the opportunity. I do really feel the game has gone by me and the game is really really in the last two three years has really gotten fast and i think that was it i'd like i re- like i would play again for sure but it's the game is, it feels pretty final yeah and yeah just because i now i it's it's not the i always said i rather an injury because then i could look back and say well i quit because an injury now i <laughs> at least i can say now i'm not good enough now yeah. i think i'm like power play wise i could play but the game's so fast the, the kids can skate so fast. It's it's it's. it's hey man, a you're 43. Game. A lot of guys it's are out of the league by it's 30. It's a fast man's game now. Like you, it, if I'm making a team, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a big guy and I'm not uh, fast. But if I'm running a team, my team's big and fast, and they're faster than big. So you, if you're not fast, even the NHL, you see it now. If you're not fast, you're not one of the top six teams. Oh, there's been countless guys weeded out over the last couple of years who no, were veterans as, on the third or fourth line and now it's ah, we kind of like this guy in an entry level deal who's who's way quicker has more skill than you so go play in europe and yeah, we'll never see you again it's an individual now it's even the team speed like i mean right now before you had three or four guys that were really fast yeah now you got to have team speed where you can't just have three or four now your whole game has to be fast and you have to five unit has to be fast so going through the neutral zone with yeah. all all five guys and yeah so now it's a team speed and i'm not i don't have that speed <laughs> <laughs> david thanks a lot for your time it was about a, an hour and a half here seriously yeah it went by went by thanks again and, and you're generous generous with your time and, and with your stories uh very much appreciate anytime